Hi, I'm Rick Schwartz. Hi, I'm Ebony Monet. Welcome to Amazing Wildlife, where we explore unique stories of wildlife from around the world and uncover fascinating animal facts. This podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, an international nonprofit conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and Safari Park. Today, we're talking about a subspecies that is functionally extinct. The northern white rhino, like the southern white rhino, is a subspecies of the white rhino. Let's find out what makes them different, what led to their critically endangered status, and we'll also talk to the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance Hinshaw Endowed Director of Reproductive Sciences, Dr. Barbara Durant, and San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance's curator of the frozen zoo, Marlis Hauk. Rick, what makes a northern white rhino different from a southern white rhino? Well, believe it or not, Ebony, not much. Honestly, if you were to look at a northern white rhino next to a southern white rhino, you probably couldn't tell the difference. There are subtle variations in size, with the northern white rhino coming in just a little bit smaller and with a slightly flatter skull. But when scientists look at the genetic building blocks or do a genomic study of the two, well, that's when we found that there's about a 1.4% difference in the mitochondria DNA. And some scientists see this as enough evidence to classify them as two separate species, not just subspecies. But for now, they are classified as subspecies. So what are their habitats? It seems as though geography always plays a big part in the development of a subspecies. Yes, Ebony, that definitely plays a part in it. And both the northern and southern white rhino's natural habitat in Africa is savanna, shrubland, and grassland. In the case of the northern white rhino, their home range once included northwestern Uganda, southern Chad, southwestern Sudan, the eastern part of Central African Republic, and the northeastern Democratic Republic of Congo, whereas the southern white rhino's range is much further south in the countries of South Africa, Botswana, Namibia, Zimbabwe, just to name a few. Good job. So... <laughs> Rick, um, as we mentioned when we first opened the conversation, the northern white rhino is functionally extinct. What does that mean? Yeah, sadly, Ebony, for the northern white rhino, it means there is no chance for the current population as it is to naturally reproduce. Currently, there are only two female northern white rhinos alive on the planet today. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of tough to hear that. So although there are two still alive, because they are not going to be able to reproduce, once they pass away from old age, that is technically the end of that subspecies of rhino. How do we get here with only two northern white rhinos left in the world? Were there any measures taken to stop the population decline? Yeah, this is where it kind of gets uh, tough to talk about this. And I want listeners to know, hang in there. There's hope for the species. We'll get to that soon, but let's cover this part first. Honestly, it's a very unfortunate event, Ebony. The rapid decline of the northern white rhino population is the direct result of aggressive poaching. The population of northern white rhinos went from about 500 to 15 in the 1970s and 80s when the poachers increased their illegal hunting activity. Conservation efforts after that were put into place, and between the 1990s and 2003, the population was showing signs of recovery, with the population reaching 32 individuals. Now, unfortunately, in time, the demand for rhino horn increased. The last population of northern white rhinos was recorded in the wild in 2006. Once it was found that the northern white rhinos had gone extinct in the wild, 
we all knew that it was going to be up to the zoos that had populations of northern white rhinos to save them. So what did the zoos do? Um, Why are the northern white rhinos fundamentally extinct? Well, Ebony, at the time that we lost the wild population of northern white rhinos to poaching in 2006, there were only about eight or nine northern white rhinos in zoos. And although many of them did live together, many of them were already beyond breeding age. And those that technically could have bred didn't. You see, rhinos, like many species, need more than just being placed with one of the opposite sex to reproduce. Females need other females around to help create that needed herd. You need to feel safe to reproduce. And the females also need to be able to select their mate. So if she doesn't feel that quote-unquote love connection with the one male at her zoo, well, then the odds of reproduction go to zero. Rick, if there are only about eight or nine northern white rhinos left in the zoo back in 2006, as you just mentioned, where are the last two females? Yeah, and by the way, their names are Najin and Fatu. And these two females are, of course, the last of their kind of the northern white rhinos. And they're currently in Kenya at the Opejda Conservancy under 24-hour watch by a dedicated team of rangers and care staff. And it's worth mentioning, Sudan, the last living male northern white rhino, lived out his life there too. Now, I was fortunate enough to visit all three of them back in 2015. It was really quite something, knowing these three majestic individuals were the last of their kind on the planet. And I remember, you know, just as we were driving out there, thinking to myself, this sort of unique combination of emotions that I was feeling, you know, feeling so privileged and honored to be in their presence, which it feels even those words aren't appropriate, but that's the best I can come up with. And But also then in the same time of feeling that honor and that privilege, also feeling a deep sadness, just knowing they're the last three of their kind. And then also feeling sort of this camaraderie and, and this this pride in meeting the rangers and the care staff there that dedicate so much of their lives to protect them. And it's worth mentioning, these people, they don't work nine to five. They are there 24-7. They work shifts that are weeks long before they go home. This is true dedication to saving a species. So as the last male northern white rhino, how significant was Sudan's death in, in 2018? Uh, honestly, Ebony, it was heartbreaking. I remember clearly I was, <laughs> I know exactly where I was. I woke up early in a hotel room in New York. We we're doing some outreach for education and media. And immediately on my phone, it was there. And, you know, it wasn't a surprise. We knew he was getting older at the time. And we knew it would happen soon just because of his age and, and the way things were going. But it doesn't make his passing any less impactful. And yes, you can argue that the northern white rhino is functionally extinct. But when you have these individuals peacefully living out their lives, it just it just kind of feels like you're watching extinction happen in real time right in front of you when one of them passes away. Their lives at this point are a symbol of what can happen to any species if the actions of humans go unchecked. And I, I want to make sure our listeners understand It is not all humans. There are some that are either misguided, misinformed, or doing things to just try and make a living that are creating these huge impacts. And there are humans out there doing incredible work to save them as well. That's sort of the interesting thing about this. This is a human-created problem, so there are human solutions waiting to be found and implemented. And speaking of that, despite the death of the last male northern white rhino, scientists think there's still hope for the species. They have a plan. What's being done? Yes, Ebony, hope for the future of the species does exist. 
So much amazing work is being done. Honestly, I think it's, it's what allows me to talk about the plight of the Northern White Rhino without completely feeling helpless. And that's what I hope our listeners take away from this episode is understanding that there's more than just hope. There's action happening. Beyond the two female Northern White Rhinos living in Kenya, there is work being done right here in San Diego. Researchers in our reproductive sciences team are developing assisted reproductive technologies, including artificial insemination, in vitro fertilization, and embryo transfer using southern white rhinos as a model species that may one day serve as a surrogate mother to the northern white rhino. But to have them be a surrogate, where do we get the embryo of northern white rhinos for them to carry to term? Well, thanks to the foresight of some incredible people, the Frozen Zoo was started back in the 1970s. Think of it as a deep freeze collection of cells from thousands of animals dating back to a time when there were more than just two northern white rhinos left. The 12 northern white rhino cell lines in the Frozen Zoo will be used to develop stem cells to create northern white rhino sperm and ocytites or eggs for the generation of embryos. One day, we hope to see this species saved through successful births of northern white rhino calves at the Nikita Khan Rhino Rescue Center at the Safari Park. It's amazing that scientists had the forethought to save the cells. It really is, and what a difference it's made for the science of today. Coming up, we'll discuss the reproductive technologies scientists are using to preserve and maintain northern white rhino genes to bring the subspecies back from extinction. And our conversation with San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance Hinshaw Endowed Director of Reproductive Sciences, Dr. Barbara Durant, as well as San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance's curator of the Frozen Zoo, Marlis Hauk. But first this. Now it's time for the San Diego Zoo Minute an opportunity for you to learn what's new at the zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. In 2019, a southern white rhino, Victoria, gave birth to a newborn male, Edward, at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. It was the first assisted reproductive birth of a species in North America. The artificial insemination was successful. Did you know 12 northern white rhinos are represented genetically in the frozen zoo? And a plan has been launched to conduct a genetic rescue at our Nakia Khan Rhino Center to save the species from extinction. We're joined now by Marlis Hauk, the director of the Frozen Zoo in Reproductive Sciences, which stores the cells of more than a thousand species and subspecies. And we're talking to the Hinshaw Endowed Director of Reproductive Sciences, Dr. Barbara Durant. Marlis, how would you describe the Frozen Zoo and what does it mean to be the curator of it? The Frozen Zoo is an amazing collection of living biomaterials, including skin cells, eggs and sperm, and embryos and reproductive tissues. And it's the largest, most diverse collection of its kind in the world. And it's an honor to be the curator of the Frozen Zoo. And it also literally keeps me up at night. There's a lot of equipment running that we have to be sure stays operating at its highest function. And we do have alarms that can go off in the night where we have to respond and be sure that we keep everything frozen. But it's also rewarding to know that I'm contributing to saving species. And I'm sure it's complicated, but in basic terms, um, what's required to store an animal cells for decades? 
So to store these cells in a living state, it requires a couple of important factors. One is liquid nitrogen. The cells have to be kept at a very cold temperature. It's about negative 320 degrees Fahrenheit. And the cells also have to be prepared in a very specific way so that they don't die during the freezing process. It requires a cryoprotectant, which keeps the cells from forming ice crystals as they freeze, which would cause the cells to die. So, Marlis, what's the objective for saving the cells of any species, but particularly the ones that have populations on the decline? So the frozen zoo collection was begun in 1975. And at that time, Dr. Kurt Bernerschke was most interested in studying the chromosomes that can be found in the cells. These are the little bodies that contain all of the DNA. And it was a new technology. And he was very interested to learn the different numbers of chromosomes across the vast species of animals. So he began collecting them for that reason. But he also knew that in the future, technology would change and these cells could be used for things that we couldn't even imagine at the time. And that's what we do today. We're continuing to bank these cells for reasons that we know they can be used for today and also for the future, which we actually don't even know what might be possible as technology develops. So we've been talking about genetic technology, and that is one of the methods I understand that is being used in in conservation, but there's also work being done in the reproductive sciences. Barbara, as the director of reproductive sciences, when working with the survival of the northern white rhino, did it seem as if hope was lost in 2018 with the death of Sudan, the last living northern male white rhino? What was your reaction and the reaction from your colleagues? When Sudan, the last living northern white rhino male, died, it was not unexpected. He was an older male, but it was extremely sad and disheartening for everyone who is interested in saving this subspecies, the northern white rhino. He was a wonderful animal, and people knew him personally, and he was a very gentle, sweet animal. But no, we didn't lose hope. In fact, I think it encouraged us to work harder to save this subspecies. And we got a lot of support worldwide for this because people, maybe for the first time, were actually seeing a species go extinct before their very eyes. There was massive publicity about this species, this animal. And so people were aware. Average people in countries all over the world, not necessarily scientists or conservationists, were watching this and listening to this and realizing Extinction is real. Barbara, can you explain the role of reproductive sciences when it comes to the conservation of the northern white rhino? Yes, because there are only two northern white rhinos left and they are both females, then there's no opportunity for them to breed naturally. So we have to use assisted reproductive technology But because neither of these northern white rhino females are capable of carrying a calf to term, we have to come up with a different way, another way to reproduce this species. So what we're going to do is use assisted reproductive technology to create or produce northern white rhino embryos in the lab and then transfer those embryos to a very closely related subspecies, the southern white rhino. 
the northern and the southern white rhinos are very closely related, and we know that there would not be a problem transferring northern white rhino embryos into southern white rhino females. Wow. Can you tell us about Edward and the significance of Edward's birth? Yes, Edward was produced by artificial insemination. It was very important for us to learn that technique. So we used frozen southern white rhino sperm and we inseminated Victoria, one of our females, and we created pregnancy and uh, she carried that pregnancy to term, gave birth to Edward, raised him, and he is now a strapping two and a half year old, very healthy male. So we did a couple of things during that time. We were able to synchronize our insemination so that we were exactly the right time to fertilize Victoria's egg. And we proved that our semen freezing methods were adequate and that we could rely on the sperm that we have in the freezer from the northern white rhinos, which was frozen the same way. It was a very significant birth for us for those reasons, but also because it was the first birth of a southern white rhino with frozen semen. So how beneficial has it been for you and your team to be able to have this opportunity for research and problem solving in this way um, prior to actually getting to the point where you would use artificial insemination with the Northern White Rhino? It's absolutely essential that we develop these technologies for the Southern White Rhino. That is why we created the Nikita Khan Rhino Rescue Center, and we imported six Southern White Rhinos from South Africa. And we have studied all six of those animals intensively since 2015. Every single day we look at them, our wildlife care specialists are training them to allow us to take blood samples for analysis. And we analyze hormones in other fluids from these animals. And so we understand the southern white rhino reproductive cycle extremely well. And we know that it's the same as the northern white rhino. So because we don't have northern white rhinos to study this intensively, it was critical for us to have these southern white rhinos these very closely related subspecies, to understand all the details of their reproduction before we start trying to reproduce the northern white rhino. Where would scientists get a northern white rhino um, embryo to start this process? In order to make a northern white rhino embryo, there are a couple of different ways that we can do that. But in order to do that, we must have cells from the frozen zoo. In fact, the northern white rhino, as a subspecies, would have no chance of coming back from the brink of extinction without the 12 cell lines that are in our frozen zoo. So that brings me, Marlis, to ask what steps are required to grow a cell and how sensitive and intricate of a process is it? Growing cells is a very specialized process. And what the basic process is, is you take a small amount of tissue about the size of a pencil eraser tip and it needs to be taken either shortly after the animal dies or by a veterinarian while the animal is alive and then we take that tissue into a sterile tissue culture lab and we dice the tissue into small pieces we add an enzyme to further digest it and release the cells then the cells begin to attach on the bottom of a plastic flask. There they grow and divide and create more cells. 
And during this process, we have to incubate the cells at a specific temperature, depending what the species is. We have to determine what the best temperature is for them to grow at. We also have to determine the best nutrient media that they will grow in. And this process can take anywhere from two weeks up to a full two years. And it's a process that isn't easily learned. There are protocols, but it's something like a recipe. We learn the tricks and different tips and things that make cells grow better through the years from people who have done it before. And we pass on this knowledge to other technicians. So what does it mean to reprogram a cell? Is that what you were just describing? What does reprogramming a cell mean? And once a cell has been reprogrammed, what then becomes possible? So the process I just described is how you get the basic skin cells or fibroblast cells is what they're called. And then once you have these skin cells, you can reprogram them into stem cells, which is basically taking this cell that is specialized to be a skin cell, which is different from a heart cell or a kidney cell. And you take this skin cell and you can basically get it to regress back to an earlier state or an embryonic type of state called a stem cell. And then this cell can become any cell in the body, including eggs and sperm. How does it feel knowing that the work you're doing today might save an animal such as the northern white rhino in the future? Well, I feel very privileged to have the opportunity to do this work and to work with the people that I work with who are all so dedicated to ending extinction and keeping these animals from going extinct. Um, it gives me great hope that we have the materials and the technology that we need to do this. I feel very responsible as an individual human because humans are the species on this planet that have caused these extinctions. And we have a responsibility to save these animals or bring them back from the brink of extinction because they belong in the world as much as we do. And Marlis? I agree with Barbara, and it's what we do every day, and we enjoy it and we're rewarded by it. And I can't even imagine what the earth would be like without rhinos. They're one of my favorite animals. Where else can you find an animal with horns on the tip of its nose and that cute little curly tail and the eyes that, like Barbara said about Sudan, they're just very loving animals. And I just can't even imagine what the earth would be like without rhinos. And it's very rewarding to think that we're helping bring them back from the brink of extinction. And thank you for the work that you are both doing in the work of your teams to save this animal. And, and thank you for sharing that information with us and, and chatting with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you learned a lot about the northern white rhino. Be sure to subscribe and tune into next week's episode in which we bring you the story of the only truly wild horse. And by the way, it's not a Mustang. I'm Ebony Monet. And I'm Rick Schwartz. Thanks for listening. If you would like to find out more about San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, please visit sdzwa.org. Amazing Wildlife is a production of iHeartRadio. Our producer is Nakia Swinton, and our executive producer is Marcy DePina. Our audio engineer and editor is Sierra Spring. For more shows from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Listener.